Well, good morning, everyone. Let me start off by telling you a scary story. I've been teaching my daughter, Miley, how to drive recently. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Miley, you did great. You did great. It's actually her first time driving. She's 14 years old. How old were you when you learned how to drive? 12. Oh. Fifteen. Any anything else? Any other ages? Oh, oh. So old. Yeah, all kind of different ages. But you know, I learned when I was um, fourteen years old. Uh, my uh, uncle taught me up on the Big Island uh, in the hills in Honoka'a. We had plenty of room, and I needed it. And uh, so I figured, okay, my daughter, she's fourteen. I'm I'm gonna let's start teaching her. And so we went to a nice secluded area, and for the first time, she was able to drive by herself. And she did it. It was she did really good. Let's give Miley a hand. Woohoo! So proud of you, Miley. And you know, we we got from you know the very basics. You have to get into the car, put your seatbelt on. You know, make sure that uh, you start the car properly and put it. Um, Put your foot on the brake, keep your foot on the brake, keep your foot on the brake, keep your foot on the brake, put it into drive, keep your foot on the brake, <laughs> and go slowly, let it go, give it a little gas, turn the wheel, you know, and so that was just our first experience. Um, for those of you who are young parents, this is what you have to look forward to. This is, it was actually fun. I think I might start a driving school now. <laughs> So anyway, I'm I'm uh, I'm having fun, and I actually Miley is uh, asking Dad, can we go again? She really wants to do it again, and she's excited about it. And she's a good learner. She's really a fast learner, and is um, ready and willing uh, to to learn more. And I think that's really cool. You know, we all learn by someone teaching us. Yeah, that's how we learn. Somebody has to model it for us and show us how to do it step by step. It really helps. Do you remember when you learned to change a tire, a flat tire? I don't want to have you raise your hand if you don't know how to do that. But, um, you know, yeah, or do you, do you remember learning even how to put gas in your car for the first time? You know, somebody had to show you how to do all of these things the proper way. And once you learn, then you would be able to um, be successful in that endeavor, whatever it is you learn, and hopefully pass it on to somebody else and teach someone else. And that's I have the privilege of doing with Miley and then our two others. And so over the last three weeks, we've been learning about prayer. We're here in our 40 Days of Prayer campaign, and we are learning together. Amen? We are learners. I, are you learning to pray? Are you learning about what prayer is all about and experiencing the benefits of prayer? I believe that you're going to grow individually, but we're going to grow corporately as a church. Amen? We're really going to grow closer to the Lord, and we're going to see the power of prayer in our church. Prayer is the most important activity of our lives. Let me repeat that. Prayer is the most important activity 
of our lives. Why? Because our relationship with God is the most important thing. And that's what prayer is all about. All about relationship. It's simply talking to God. Look at your neighbor tell him prayer is talking to God. It's simple. It's just talking to God, a conversation with God. And if you love someone and you want to get to know them and you love spending time with them, you're going to talk with them. You're going to listen to them. Prayer is also a two-way street. It's talking, it's listening, and enjoying that relationship. We don't have a best friend or a spouse, and we don't not talk to them. We just want to spend time with them. We get to spend time with them, and we love that communication. And our relationship grows because of that communication, right? So, are you growing in your relationship with the Lord? It's probably going to be an indication if you can answer, yes, I am somebody who prays. Are you someone who prays? Are you someone who loves to spend time with God in prayer? And for myself, over the years, it hasn't been easy. And I think if we're all honest with ourselves, we can say, you know what? I have a really hard time sometimes in prayer. Sometimes when I pray, Pastor Max, I fall asleep. Okay, I sit there in my prayer time, and I wake up, and I don't even know what happened. I just, okay. But it's okay with the Lord. He's, he knows. He understands. He works with me. He's patient with me. Don't raise your hand if you're like me. But, you know, I think if we're all honest, we say, you know, prayer is not an easy thing. But it's something that I've learned to appreciate and love and look forward to. You know, I've been, uh, since this last year, they were, I, I listened to another sermon from a different pastor, and he was talking about having touch points. I think Jim Mushiro talks about that. Having certain things in your lives that you can continually do that are going to become foundational habits in your life. And prayer is one of them. And it has to be something that you appreciate, that you look forward to, that is in your own style, that you know that you're going to continue to go back to that touch point every single day, like a daily habit, right? And so it was great. I was able to find something that worked for me in two things. Ephesians 6, the armor of God. I put on the full armor of God every day in prayer. And I just go through the different parts of the armor, and I feel, okay, I'm ready to face whatever this world, whatever the enemy is going to try and throw at me. Okay, I'm ready. I'm protected. And then I go through the Lord's Prayer. And I go through the Lord's Prayer slowly sometimes, and I focus on different parts of it. Sometimes I, I just pray the whole thing, and I can go into a number of different ways in prayer. But it's a touch point for me. Another touch point has been to keep a prayer journal. And some of you do this. Some of you keep it in your, uh, maybe uh, as you keep your uh, daily time with the Lord, maybe you go through soap through the Bible and you're able to do that and write down your prayers. Maybe some of you journal your prayers inside of your Bible. Uh, maybe some of you, I know Kirk Cousins, I got this from Kirk Cousins, he keeps his very detailed, the quarterback for the Minnesota Vikings on his computer. For me, it works best on my phone. And I'm able to hear somebody's prayer need and write it down since my phone is with me in my little notes. And I just write down the prayer when I start praying that. And then if I get an answer to yes, it's just write down the answer. It was prayed yes. So we were praying for a puppy, right? <laughs> we were really praying. That prayer took 
14 years to be answered yes. <laughs> but specifically, we had an opportunity to get a puppy recently. And so it was really on our hearts. And so I wrote it down. Okay, the date. And then it was like, oh, they called us back. The puppy was sold. Oh, we were so sad. We really thought we were going to get this puppy. We thought this puppy was from the Lord. So we were all sad for a whole day. And then the next day, the people called and said, actually, the people didn't want the puppy. You can come and see it if you want. Yay! We went over to the house, and we got the puppy. So prayer answered yes. Here it is, AJ, eight weeks old. Woohoo! 9:26:18. So whatever it is for you, in the way that you would be able to maybe chronicle what the Lord is doing, you'll be so encouraged. Maybe it's a prayer journal. Maybe it's the armor of God. Maybe it's something else. But today specifically, I'd like to talk about going back and using the Lord's prayer in your everyday prayer life. And that's what God wants us to do. Develop something that worked for us. Uh, something that won't be religious, but something that will really help us get deeper in our relationship with the Lord. You know, I love the idea that we're learners. And who is our teacher? Jesus is our teacher. We're his disciples. We're followers. We're disciples of his. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, I love this, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. Teach us to pray. And we are Jesus' disciples, and we're echoing the same statement. Jesus, teach us to pray. Would that be a prayer of our heart to the Lord? Lord, teach me how to pray. I, I know I need to be taught how to pray. You know, we aren't sure what to do, Lord. We aren't sure what to say. Do we have to know a lot of Christian Things to say, do we have to sound a certain way? Do we have to uh, know certain scriptures? Uh, how are we to pray? So Jesus, he did a teaching for his disciples there at Luke chapter 11. But he also did another teaching, the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon ever preached. They say it's the best teaching that's ever been taught in all of history. You can't improve on the Sermon on the Mount. So you, to have your Bible, you can turn it to Luke, sorry, Matthew chapter 6. You can open your Bible, Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to start in verse 5. Before we get into the actual Lord's Prayer, I'm going to give a little bit of context. Jesus does some teaching on prayer before he launches into the Lord's Prayer itself. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5. Jesus said, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So Jesus was teaching, don't make a show of our prayers. The Pharisees, they used to make sure everyone knew how holy, how righteous they were. And they went on, on the way to the synagogue, on the way to the temple, and they would stand there on the street corners and do these lofty prayers for everyone to hear. And that's being a hypocrite, Jesus said. We don't want that. Not that we're going to do that, but sometimes in our Christian world, we can make a little bit of a show of prayer. You know, I like to pray, and I'm going to you know, make sure everyone knows that I'm a person of prayer, or I'm going to sound like I use a holy voice. 
You ever use that holy voice? I don't know what it is sometimes. We, get, we think God is going to really like this more righteous, cool prayer voice that we use. You know, God just wants us to speak from a heart how we are with him. Whether we're speaking with him or with others in prayer and agreeing in prayer, he just wants us to be ourselves. He doesn't want to have us try to look good or look a certain way when we pray or have people think, oh, look at that person. They're so good at praying. You know, Jesus said, if you do that, that's the earthly reward you're going to get. Wow, look at that person. They're so cool. They can pray so well. That's it. You're going to get that reward. That is their reward in full. But we don't want those rewards, right? We want the heavenly reward. We want God's approval when we pray. So God rewards us in prayer. Did you know that? God rewards us when we pray. That's so cool. I love the fact. God is saying, yes, I'm going to give you a reward, a heavenly reward when we pray. Okay, Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. But when you pray, Jesus said, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Jesus wants us to pray to our Father in secret. He, he knows that when we go ahead and close the door into our prayer closet, that's where it's going to be just us and Him. That's what prayer is, right? We're just developing that relationship, that intimacy with Him. Does that mean that we don't ever pray with others? I remember somebody telling me that before. Jesus only wants us to pray in secret. Like, go into your prayer closet and that's it. That's why I don't pray with anybody out loud. I think that was a cop-out. And it's not right theologically. Because there's so many other examples in the Bible, in the New Testament, where people are praying with one another and agreeing in prayer. Prayer meetings, just one-on-one with another brother or sister and praying, just it doesn't mean that we're not going to be praying with others out loud. I think that's a key too. Sometimes we get so shamed and we have a group and maybe one person who's considered the best prayer person will pray and then the others feel, oh, I'm not going to pray out loud. I'm going to pray silently. I like opening up for prayer sometimes and then we pray and then I always, not always, I sometimes remind people, okay, now let's pray out loud. <laughs> and so we got to voice it. And like, don't be ashamed. Just go ahead and say however you want to say in your own voice, in your own language, the rewards. What are the rewards that Jesus is talking about? Your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. What kind of rewards? Number one, peace. God will give you peace when you pray. Philippians 4 4 through 7, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Pray about it. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Peace is a reward that you will get when you pray. Number two, perspective perspective. When we pray and thank God, you know when you thank the Lord, even though things are going hard, things are difficult, you have challenges. Did you notice when you thank the Lord that after you're done praying, those problems don't seem as big anymore? That doesn't mean the problems went away. You know? It just means that your perspective has changed. You come out of it going, wow, we have a big God and my problems that seem so big seem smaller now. Your perspective changes. Number three, Power, the power of prayer. 
You know, the power of prayer doesn't just, you know, it, it, prayer is actually able to change things. There's power there. We think, well, I'll pray about it. And sometimes we almost believe with little faith, nothing's going to happen. But did you know God hears our prayers and he answers our prayers? Let me tell you a story. I have a friend, his name is Jed. When Jed was going to school, he actually went to UH Law School with my wife. And he's part of the reason how we had met. I had grown up with Jed. Well, Jed was going through a rough time in law school, and he actually found out that his dad had terminal cancer. And so he was at a stoplight one day, and everything was going wrong in his life. And Jed did not believe in the Lord. Jed was always kind of coming at me with certain you know, well, what do you think about this? How can this be true and that? And I would always just pray for him and try my best to share the Lord with him. Anyway, he was at a stoplight one day, and his world was coming crashing down, very close with his father. And he said he put his head on the steering wheel, and he was actually crying out to the Lord, and he said, God, if you're real, then heal my dad. That's a help me prayer. Like a cry out, Lord, I need you. And we've all been there before. If you're real, heal my dad. Anyway, he looked up from the stoplight. He turned to the left. The car next to him had a cardboard cutout with a sign in the window that said, God answers prayer. When was the last time you saw one of those signs? (laughs) Never. Right? So... Guess what happened to his dad? Completely healed. Went back to the doctor. Doctor told him, I don't know what happened. I can't explain it, but it's gone. It doesn't always happen like that. We don't know why the Lord chooses to heal some people and not others. But sometimes he does in miraculous ways. And that was a really amazing example His dad came up to me at their graduation from law school, and he said, Max, you saved our lives. You saved my family's life. I said, it wasn't me, J.D. It was God. You know, the Lord loves you. He was the one who did it. It was nothing about me. God can show you his power in prayer. Do you believe that there's actual power when you pray? Yes, God answers prayer. Look at your neighbor tell him that. God answers prayer. Let's keep on moving. Because Jesus talked about keeping your prayers short. Amen? Do we want to keep the sermon short? He said the, <laughs> he said the prayers, not the sermons. Matthew 6, verse 7 and 8. And when you pray, don't keep on babbling like pagans, for they think... They will be heard because of their many words. Don't be like one of them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Keep it short. Keep it simple. God doesn't need people telling Him what's going on. Do you ever hear somebody praying like that? And I think I've been guilty of that. Right? Oh, Lord, you know, um, my friend, uh, he's going on a trip. So-and-so protect him. As if God is saying, okay, now, what friend is that? Oh, what? Where is he going? Okay, thank, thank you, Max. Okay. No, God doesn't need us to tell him what's going on, right? He wants to build a connection with us. 
Prayer isn't about convincing God. Prayer is about connecting with God. Stop trying to convince God of certain things. He doesn't need it. He wants us to keep it short, keep it simple. He already knows our needs before we ask Him. All right, now let's move into the Lord's Prayer, verse 9. Jesus is talking about a model, a model of prayer. It's not to pray this religiously as if it's a magic bullet that's going to say, once you pray this prayer, no. This is a model of prayer, developing some touch points, a lifestyle of prayer. Verse 9 through 13. This then is how you should pray, Jesus said. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. On You know what? Why don't we go ahead and read this together? I think that would be nice. All right? Ready? Let's start with our Father in heaven. Can we move back one slide? And we'll go according to the slide as it appears on the screen. Ready? Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Lord, thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. It'll appear there in a second. <laughs> I didn't tell Joe I was going to do that, so she's working on the fly. Thank you. So, verse 9, let's go back to the beginning. This then is how you should pray, Jesus said. Our Father in heaven. How does Jesus teach us to pray? He teaches us that we have a heavenly Father. We have a heavenly Father that we can speak to in prayer. We can speak to Him at any time. He never closes us off, but He always allows us full access to Himself. Ephesians 2.18 says, For through Him... We both have access to the Father by one Spirit. We have access to the Father. Our Heavenly Father never closes His ears towards our prayers. 24-7, 365, He always welcomes us in. You know, through the Alpha Course, they gave great example of this by talking about a story of President Abraham Lincoln. Now, he, um, this was during the Civil War, he had a son named Tad. There was a soldier who his whole family had died in the war, and he wanted to go home and help his mom. He had kind of thought of the Saving Private Ryan. And he wanted to go back home and help his mom on the farm. She was alone. She was a widow. And so he was going to ask the President of the United States for an exception to go back home. Well, he went to the White House, tried to get a meeting with the President, and of course they told him, no way. Go back to fighting soldier. Oh, he went to a park, sat there on the bench near the White House, and there a little boy came walking up to him, and he said, Hi, how are you doing? He noticed the man was crying, sad. He, he explained the problem to the little boy, and the little boy said, Come with me, and he pulled him by the hand, and he pulled him all the way into the White House, and he walked through the front door. He walked through all these doors. Everybody seemed to just let this little boy through. He walked into the Oval Office. There, President Abraham Lincoln was with the Secretary of State looking at the battle plans. The president looked up. He said, how can I help you, Tad? He said, Dad, this man needs your help. 
Isn't that cool? He had full access. The son had full access to the president's office, to his dad's office. And so do we. As children of God, we have full access into the throne room of our heavenly father. He's even more important than the president. This, this is the God of the universe who calls us his children, who calls us his son, his daughter. Actually, the word there for our father is Abba. It's an Aramaic term. Father is Abba, which means dad or daddy. So Jesus wants us to know that when we're praying, we're coming with full access, speaking to our dad, to our daddy. Continuing on. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed is not a word that we hear much nowadays. It means to make holy, to make separate, to honor as holy. And we come to the Lord in prayer, knowing that He's our Father, He's our Dad, but we also have to come with respect and reverence. We have to have respect and reverence for His name. What is a name? You know when we pray in the name of Jesus, does it mean that it's like, in the name of Jesus, bing! Like, no, a magical formula when we say in the name of Jesus? No, we say in the name of Jesus, which means in the personhood, in the character of Jesus, all that Jesus stands for, that's how I'm praying my prayer. In the name, the holy name of our Father, we want to be able to come to the Lord in prayer, and we want to say, you know what, this is a great privilege to be able to come into my dad's throne room here to speak to the God of the universe, our heavenly Father, and you come and you bow the knee of your heart. At the same time, you have that personal, intimate relationship, child and son, son or daughter, and your father, heavenly Father, but at the same time with great respect. See how it's both? It can be both and, right? And sometimes when I pray, I... I can be a little bit too religious. Sometimes when I pray, I can be a little bit too casual, but I think there's a blending of both. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Is God's name holy to you? Are you in utter awe and reverence of him? We can come before him with both. Moving on to verse 10. How does Jesus teach us to pray? He said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When Jesus came, he brought his kingdom, the kingdom of God on earth. He instituted his kingdom, his heavenly kingdom here on earth. And he's been in a rescue plan, a take back mode to rescue us from sin, to rescue us from the enemy. And right now, God's kingdom is infiltrating every part of the globe. With us, he's using us. He's using his church. His kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's our prayer. Did you know that God's will is rarely done on earth? You ever thought about that? God's will done on earth? God's will is rarely done on earth. Otherwise, do you think God's will is that we would have so many people living in poverty, so many people living apart from Him, so many people going through what they're going through? No. God's will is that everyone would know Him and be saved and end up in heaven. 
to be able to have a close connection with him. God's will is rarely done on earth. That's why he calls us to pray the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then he would use you to be able to fulfill that. And he, we would be able to walk into places, into workplaces, into our families, into different countries with the missions, and share how good Jesus is, what he's done. We would be bringing the kingdom of God into those people, lost people, lost office spaces, lost countries. And we would see God's will be done. This is why Jesus calls us to pray for God's kingdom come, his will be done. And he doesn't want us to stop there. He wants his, the Bible says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Is your life filled with the kingdom of God? His kingdom has come to your life, amen? Righteousness, peace, joy in the Holy Spirit. When you're filled with the kingdom of God, you're going to naturally step out wherever you go and you're going to be bringing the kingdom of God into those places. Are we praying his kingdom come, his will be done? Is that something we're praying? You know, the Lord's Prayer is, is talking about pray that. Live it. Moving on to verse 11. Jesus prayed, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. He teaches us to pray for God's provision on a daily basis. Now, he could have said, give us today our yearly bread. It's much easier if we pray for the whole year. We just have to do it once and that's it. No, but why does he call us to pray for daily bread? Because he wants to keep us close. He wants us to keep on coming back to him, knowing that he's going to provide for us on a daily basis. You know, he says daily bread, right? Now, I was talking about it with Vanessa and the kids yesterday, and we used to have this rice paddle that said, give us today our daily rice. <laughs> if it was a local Hawaii culture or an Asian culture, it would be, if Jesus was Japanese, Give us today, or Asia, anything. Give us today our daily rice. He used bread because that's how they used, that's what their sustenance was in that culture. If he was Irish, it would be, give us today our daily potatoes. No, but he's talking about bread. Daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. And when we pray that, we know that he's going to give us what we need to survive. That's going to sustain us. And it's more than that. When you're praying for daily bread, we're praying a lot of times for finances, right? That's what we think, oh, Lord, please. And that's on our list, you know, Lord, we need daily bread for certain things coming up. Oh, Lord, I need strength. You know, for this meeting, I need strength. I need your wisdom. That's a daily bread thing, right? Lord, I, need, I just need you today. And that's what God is saying. Just come back daily and you would draw on me for everything, knowing that it's not going to be you that provides for everything. And sometimes we get caught up on that. Oh, yeah, you know, I'm smart enough. I have a, a well-paying job I can afford. God is saying, you know, I want you to know you're going to need me every day. Without me... You won't have enough to survive. He alone provides for us. Moving on 
to verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. This is a big one. This is a really difficult one. This is probably the most difficult one. Forgive us our debts. We like that. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Now that's a little harder. To forgive those who have hurt us. But that's what separates Christianity from every other religion. You know, what is found in Christianity that is not found in any other religion? That was a question that was asked to C.S. Lewis at a seminar. That's simple, C.S. Lewis replied. He said, the forgiveness of sin. Forgiveness is what makes Christianity unique. No other religion has that. God is saying, you know, pray this. Come back to this every day. All the things that you've done, all the things that we've said, all the things that we've thought, don't let the enemy have a foothold and speak to you and condemn you about those things. Know that Jesus, because he died for you on the cross, all of your sins, past, present, and future, have been laid on himself. You are completely forgiven. Come back to that every day. Lord, I am forgiven. I am free. You have paid a great ransom to free me. It cost you everything. And here I have complete forg forgiveness and freedom because of Jesus. Come back to that every day. Are we coming back to that every day? And then when we do that, we can experience this freedom. It changes us and transforms us to be able to release that whatever people have hurt us and wronged us and say, because I'm forgiven, I can do it. Because you live within me and forgiven, Lord, do it. Amen? This is a daily thing. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Continue to come back to the Lord, not just in the Lord's Prayer, remembering all the scriptures and saying you're completely forgiven, you're completely free in Christ. Do you need to forgive someone today? Is it too hard for you to do it? Yes, it is always too hard to do it. Come back in the Lord's Prayer. Receive the Lord's forgiveness every day. Lead us not into temptation, continuing on, but deliver us from the evil one. Lead us not into temptation, God, our Father, but deliver us from the evil one. Why does Jesus teach us to pray this? Well, a lot of times, you know, we think we get to a certain point, maybe as a Christian, we think, okay, I can pretty much handle everything. Like, come on, throw it at me. I can walk into this area. I don't have to shield my eyes from this area. And we sort of get a little bit too high on ourselves and our ability to handle certain things. But I think what the Lord is saying is, <clears throat> continue to stay humble before me. Lord, don't lead me to places that I'm going to have a really tough time with. If I don't have to go through that, Lord, if you don't want me to go through that, I don't want to go there. If you know you have a really hard time with temptation in a certain area, Lord, help me. Lead me not into this temptation. Deliver me from evil. And certain times, we run into trouble, and the Bible talks about sometimes as the day of evil, when the day of evil comes. 
you would be able to have the strength and power and protection. This is really a prayer of protection, isn't it? Because we're all going to experience these things. The enemy is real, and he's roaming the earth looking for someone he can devour. And there are certain weak spots in each of our lives. And when we start to move into that area, the devil's just going, yes, here we go. If we are in the Lord's Prayer and we're saying, God, I need your protection. I need the full armor of God. I need everything over my life because I can't do it on my own. That's a prayer of protection, and that's a prayer of strength and victory. Amen? Finally, verse 13, as we close up, as we close up, for yours is the kingdom and the, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, this is an awesome prayer. This is a great way to end the Lord's Prayer. Did you know the Lord's Prayer is only 65 words long? Talk about keeping it short. Jesus could have went on for hours you want to know about prayer? This is what you should pray. Kept it short. And I love the way he ends it. It's just so victorious. Wow. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever and ever. Amen. This is a conclusion of a short prayer with high praise. Jesus is not holding back. He calls us to declare with your heart to declare with your mouth that he is worthy of all of our worship. He is worthy of every single thing in our lives. We can come to him knowing that he's awesome, that he's capable, that he's able, that he's willing, that he's our father who loves us, who welcomes us in. And he takes us on this wild ride if we were to just stay close to him in prayer. Are you a learner? Would you learn today with me to be someone of prayer, to be someone who's willing to say, yeah, Lord, I want to develop my relationship with you. I want to know how. Teach me, Lord Jesus. Let's go ahead and stand. Jesus has, Jesus has given us a great model. He teaches us many things, but most important is how to relate to Him. How to develop our relationship with God through prayer. But we can't do it on our own. We need the Holy Spirit to come and fill us that we would be able to have that power to say yes, to even be spiritually alive and say, yes, Lord, I want more of you. I want to learn. I want to be a learner. I want to be somebody who's practicing. Use me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you are not just a distant, far-off Father, but you are our Father. You're our Abba Father, our Heavenly Dad. And you love us no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done, no matter, Lord, if we are someone who have had a hard heart, we had even a hard time relating to you, as so many of us have experienced in the past. But you love us just the same. And you don't want to keep us there. You want to move us closer. You want to soften our hearts and say, you know what? This is how you pray. Let me teach you. 
Come and teach us, Lord Jesus, how to pray. We open our hearts to you right now. You, in your own words with the Lord, you just say, Lord, teach me. I want to be a learner today. Teach me how to pray. Teach me to desire you more in prayer. Speak to him right now, just in your own words, your own way. Come and fill us, Holy Spirit. Come and fill us now. If there's anyone here that is really sensing that they, they've never even had a relationship, they've never begun that relationship with you, that they would say simply in their hearts, you just pray this prayer in your heart, thank you, Jesus, for dying for me on the cross. I'm sorry for my sin. Please come and fill me up with your spirit that I would be able to follow you, that I would be able to learn how to pray, that I would be able to learn how to give you my whole heart. I make you Lord of my life right now. I welcome you in. If you prayed that prayer, come and see myself or one of the other pastors. Come and talk to us. We're all learners here. We thank you, Lord Jesus. You are our teacher. We thank you, Father. You are our God. We love you so much, Lord. We thank you today. In Jesus' name, we all said, Amen.